God assigned Apostle Paul to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. We up on, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So we know this vision is a heavenly vision. It's not natural, not earthly. The Lord spoke to him from heaven. All right, and we have that in the record in God's word. All right, so you can be seated. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, I'm going to uh, get right into God's word. I want to utilize my hour every moment, every second. Amen. All right, so I want to go right to the message. I want to go to the, to, for the book of uh, Philippians. Uh, from the book of Philippians chapter 2. And we want to read verse 12 through verse 20. From the book of Philippians. See, we got all of this stuff that we got here, but we want to not forget how we got it. And see, what religion does is tell you how they did it. But the gospel of Christ told you how you really got it. And that's, that's why I'm here. From the book of Philippians, after the book of uh, Ephesians, you got Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. That's what I said, right? Philippians chapter 2. Now, we're going to do Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Whatever I said. I, I would, that was going to be Romans. We're not going to do Romans yet. I'm sorry. We are going to do Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 20, but not now. I'm going to go to Philippians 2, 5 through 11 first. Forgive me. Are you there? Philippians chapter number 2, and we want to look at uh, verse 5 through 11, and I, we're going to focus on verse 8 because that's going to be our focus point. So if Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, he said, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a slave, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that's, that's what I, before I read any more, I want to get my subject. The Bible said once again, read with me once again, uh, verse number eight. And being in, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now you think about that. He is God himself, come in flesh and humble himself to his own word. So I want to show you why I preach the gospel of Christ because really it is put a pushback on religion tradition. Religion tradition always tell you what they did to get to where we are today instead of saying Christ. So I don't want you to do that. So that's why this, the, today's message is, is designed and designated to the one who deserves it and at our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to talk about today the obedience of one man. Going to show you how you got everything you got. We're saying that uh, it's our inheritance, God's righteousness. We're going to tell you it's because of one man, obedience. 
And, and when, you, when you really see this and everything you got is because one man obeyed God. So let's show you that and we're going to get right into God's word. So I'm going to continue to show how he, wh where he is now, but he got there because he obeyed God. So when you hear somebody say, well, I got there because I was water baptized in Jesus' name. Or I got there because I confessed with my mouth and I believe with my heart. That's how I got my salvation. No, everything we got is because of one man. And that's why I want to show you in God's word. Now here in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8, we're going to start there again, and then we're going to read all the way down to verse 11. Will you read with me? Verse number 8 again. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now we're talking about he obeyed the Father even in death. To die on the cross, he had to obey the Father. All right. Now, in verse number 9, it says, Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name that which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and under the earth, because the Father, that, that's the Father's name, okay? So that's what we, what we talked about last week. All right, get last week teaching. You, you need to know the difference between the name Jesus and the name Christ. Last week. You want to know why Paul preached Christ and not preached Jesus, okay? Jesus was his father's name. Christ is the son's name. In the new covenant, it's not the ministry of the father. It's the ministry of the son. That's why Paul preached Christ. The new covenant is the ministry of the son. As a matter of fact, it is really, when you read the book of Hebrews, it'll tell you that God gave everything. Remember, let me just show you that while we're doing that. I'm not going to talk that. I just go and show you, then I go to Romans. But let's go to Hebrew, and, and Father gave everything to the Son. So you have to understand that. So let's go to Hebrew chapter, chapter 1. Let's just do chapter 1. We can look at a little bit right there. And then I show you Hebrew chapter 2. I want to show you Hebrew chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse number 5. But I want to read just a little bit Hebrew chapter 1 when you get there, verse 1. Hebrew chapter 1, verse 1. When you see this, you'll know everything has been now turned over to the Son. That's why the new covenant is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So here, God, who in sundry time and divers manners, spake in time past. Now, he's telling you time past. Unto the fathers by the prophets had, past tense now, in these last days, 2,000 years ago, spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he made also the worlds. Verse 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, one man, by himself, one man, purged our sins, and then sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. See, that's what our Lord did for us. Give him a great big hand today, praise God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 5. He's going to tell you again. See, I'm going to show you everything happened because of one man, and his name is our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5. Let's read it together. For unto the angel... He asked in a question, for unto the angel has he not put in, put in subjection the world to come. Well, the world to come is where we are, is the dispensation of grace. So if you keep in note, the world, the world to come is the dispensation of grace. All right, so this is what he was saying back there. Who did God put over the dispensation of grace? 
under the angels. He has not put in subjection the world to come or the dispensation of grace. Where are we speak, but one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man that thou mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him, thou made him a little lower than the angel. This is when he brought into the world, born in the flesh. He brought him into the world, he was lower than the angel. But then God crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of his hands. See, everything now has been put in the, in the, in the, in the hands of the son. That's why Paul prescribed now thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, in that he has put in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see yet at his time, at that time, that all things was put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, watch this, should taste death for every man. Give him a big hand. He tasted death for every man. This is the man that died for you. So when you turn around and say, well, I got my salvation by my confessional, by me water baptized. See what you're doing? That's why I hate religion. All right. Now, just give you that. Now, let's go to the book of Romans. And we want to go to Romans chapter number five. In verse 12, like I said first time, we're actually going to do it now. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. One man, say once again, one man obedience. Right, it's the obedience of one man. Nothing we've done. If he had not obeyed the Father, if he had not obeyed the Father, we would, this is something that I do in my prayer. I pray for you this morning at 335. So I, I remember that, okay, I was up 3 o'clock, but I pray for you about 335. And I always say to the Father, always say to the Lord, our Lord, I thank him for his obedience. That's a part of my prayer. I thank him for his obedience. Because if he had not obeyed the Father, nothing we would have, we would have today. Come on, give it one more big hand. That's what you want to draw from this message today. All right, Romans chapter number 5. We want to look at verse number 12. So let's, let's go to work. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Read with me. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. He, that was Adam. Somebody said that was Adam. And death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned. After the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as an offense, so also the free gift. For if through the offense or the sin of one man, many be dead, much more, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by the one that sinned, which was Adam, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one man, Adam, brought us into condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Otherwise, Jesus Christ gave his life and it gave you justification. What Adam did gave you condemnation. Verse number 17. For if by one man offense death reigned by one, much more, they which receive, that's all you need to do today. They which receive the abundant of grace. Look at somebody and say, just receive God's abundant grace and the gift of righteousness. 
See, remember we talk about the blessing of Abraham? That's what it is. It's the gift of righteousness. God said you shall reign in life by one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one man, Adam, judgment came upon all men and brought us into condemnation. Now even so by the righteousness of one man, Jesus Christ, the free gift came up on all men unto justification of life. For as by one man disobedience, many were made sinners. See, when Adam disobeyed God, it made us a sinner. That's how you got to be a sinner. Not because something you did. You was made a sinner. So the way you got to be righteous, not because something you did. One man made you righteous. Let's read it again. For as by one man disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Why is that shall there? Because you got to receive it. You got to receive it. All right, that's what happened with people. Now in verse number 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. But where sin abounded, guess what happened? Grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned, past tense. See, sin is in the past tense. I don't know why people don't want it to be in the past tense. Sin has reigned. You can't have sin without the law. The law being fulfilled. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so now grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, let's give him another big hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the Bible, why, why, why is this so important? Because I want to tell, tell you how it was. I want to go back to uh, the Old Testament. We're going to look at, I'm not going to be able to give you all of this, but I'm just going to give you scripture. Uh, in the Old Covenant, you had Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter 7. Let me show you something. In the Old Covenant, when Israel came out after, after Deuteronomy, then they went into what we call the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua is the same book as Revelation that Paul had. See, Paul is a man in the New Covenant that God used to give us our inheritance. Joshua was the man that followed Moses. See, the, Moses was the law. The man that followed the law was called Joshua. The man that followed the law in the New Covenant is called Paul. God used Paul to give us our inheritance. God used Joshua to give them their inheritance. That's the man that took them into their inheritance. Now, now you have to understand, I'm going to give you a story in Joshua chapter 7 when you get this, say amen. And we're going to start, we're going to look at verse 1. I'm going to show you a man called Achan. A-C-H-A-N. Achan, one man. And I'm going to show you the way it was in the Old Testament. And this is why, because it was, it was of the nation of Israel. God looked at them as one body. He looked at them as one nation. And when anybody in that one nation did wrong, the whole nation was blamed. Now, you can see that I'm showing you Adam, one man disobedience, brought condemnation. The new covenant, one man's obedience, Broad justification. So he's telling you how you was made right with God. Not by your confession and all that stuff. See? Now watch this. Romans chapter, I mean, Joshua chapter 7 is on the screen. Read. But the children of Israel committed a trespass. Wait a minute. Only one man did this. But the Bible said the children of Israel did it. 
See, that's how God looked up on it. That's how God looked at, 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 at the body of Christ. See, that's why I always say with the body of Christ, when we dismiss over here, everybody, go on the other side if you don't stay but one minute. I don't care if you do, do anything but walk on the other side, let us dismiss, turn around, walk out. Fine. It shows us together as one body. You see, that's what God wants. Us walking together as one body. Because we are the body of Christ. And 1 Corinthians, write this down, I don't know if I'm going to get to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 and 13. It said we are one body. See, and so what we have to do, we have to learn how to do things together. So that's why we get the word together and then we go fellowship together. Even if I don't stay to fellowship, I walk over, shake your hand, how everybody doing, I'm gone because I got something else to do. That's fine. But we still put forth an effort to fellowship because God said to me, he said, you have one thing missing in your ministry, fellowship. He said, the people will come and get the word, but they won't fellowship. So you need to make something happen so we can fellowship. You don't have to pay for nothing. Every Sunday, you can leave out, go get yourself some donut, donut, coffee, bagels, cream cheese, whatever. I mean, you know, last week they had Simon. I mean, you don't never know what the, we won't have that after this service, okay? But, but you know, we want to give you a chance to, to, to go over the fellowship. We have stuff to fellowship. But this is what I'm saying. You never know what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Those people over there love fellowship. I even told them, I said, we're not going to do nothing this Sunday. Well, Pastor, well, let's pray on that. Well, we, they love fellowship. Okay, well, I'll leave that alone. Amen. They love doing it. We love going eating it up. Get, amen. Get the Lord a big hand. All right. Now, here, watch what happened. In verse number two, you will see that when that happened, when, when he did that, uh, in, in verse one, uh, but the children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing. He said the children of Israel did it. All right, and verse number two, and verse one continues, says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel because of what one man did. See, so when you read this, you will see, now they had to go do something. God said, okay, we got to go defeat Ai. They don't have many people. Let's just take 3,000 3, men or so we don't take the whole army. Just take about 3,000 men. They had many, many armies. And guess what? They were defeated. AI defeated them. And then we're going to pick up on that over in verse number 10. Let's go to uh, uh, Joshua chapter 7, verse 10. Now, here they are. And the Lord said to Joshua, get up. He is Joshua in his face because they just lost the battle. 3,000 men went over there and couldn't even take care of little AI. All right? Because... One man has sinned in the camp. All right? And the Lord said to Joshua, Get up, wherefore lie on your face. Israel has sinned. Israel, what about Achan? One man, what one man did, brought shame on the whole nation. So you have to understand how it is in the body of Christ. When you make decisions in the body of Christ, you make it individual decisions. You can't do that no more. You're a body. You got to learn how to operate. When the body moves, move with the body. I mean, you don't want the body to go one way, the arm or leg goes, no, let's, let's, at least go to, let's at least go together, you know. But Israel has sinned, and they have also transpassed my covenant, he said, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and disassembled it. Now, only one man did that, and that was Achan. 
God told them they got it in their stuff. They, they hid it among their own stuff. He knew what Achan's stuff was. God was in the midst of the camp. I don't know why we can't realize that God is in the midst of the camp. See, you don't see yourself as a, as a camp of people. God is in our midst. God is in us. He sees everything. You got to not think he don't see what you do and hear what you say. He is, we are the body of Christ. How close can you get? All right. But see, they didn't think God saw nothing. This man didn't. The Bible said in verse 12, therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. Because of what, what man did. God said, that's why you were defeated. But turn their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed from among you. They had to destroy this man and everything he had on. Had to be burned up with fire. Down in verse 15. And it shall be, God says, it shall be that he is taken with the accursed thing, shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has wrought fallen Israel. Guess what happened to that man? Israel could not win no battle with that man still there. He had to go, all right? Because as long as he was there, Israel was put to shame. Look at verse number 18. I'm going to read down to verse 21 and show you what he did so you could understand how it was in the old covenant. And one man obeyed God in the new covenant, and there's no more condemnation against the body of Christ. And verse 18, and he brought his household, man by man. They're trying to find out who did it. So Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel. Now he gave him to kill this man. He said, you give him glory before I kill you. And, and make confession. All this you got to do before I kill you, right? And make confession to him. Tell me now, what has thou done? Don't hide it from me. And Achan answered and said, uh, you know, when we went over there uh, to Ai, uh, you know, I have sinned and I, against the Lord God, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a godly Babylonian garment, goodly, that's what he took, a goodly, and 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold, and 50 shekels weight, I coveted them, and I took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Well, the rest of history. They took him and they killed him and everything that was contained to him. So you have to understand something. Why? Because God wanted them to be one. And you've got to understand something. We are the body of Christ. Let me show you that 1 Corinthians uh, on the screen so we won't forget it that easy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 and 13. So you have to understand we are one body. That's why we have to walk in love. We have to walk in the spirit because we are one body. That's how we function. So you have to understand how we function. First Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse 12. This is how we function. We are one body. For as the body is one. Say that with me. The body is one and has many members. Now, all the members of that one body being many are what? One body. So also is what? See, Christ is one body. We are the body of Christ. That's why we 
must understand we can't ever put our mouth on one another. If you do, you're putting your mouth on the body of Christ. You got to understand something. You, got, that's, you don't have nothing good to say, don't say nothing. The Bible said, be careful how you treat the person of the household of faith. All right? Now, I just want to show you that. That's, that's enough. I just want you to see where it is. All right? Now, now let's go to the, to the next thing. Uh, I want to show you where all of this started at. And let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 while we're there. Go, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is why uh, I'm ministering so much on the, on the dispensation of grace because there are so many religions. And that's why God can't move in religions because they, what they have is man-made. See, what God gave us, our gospel, the gospel of Christ, is what God gave us in the Bible. And he told us he gave it to us. And yet people will go to churches where they know that what he's preaching is not God's gospel. But it's just like they don't care. I mean, maybe they don't know, I say. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. This is what God says through the apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all, I need everybody to read, that you all do what? Speak the same thing. See, if that's what we have to do, all have to speak the same thing. See, that's why the word speak really means preach there or teach. That's why we can't have other doctrines in the church. It divides us. So you have to know what doctrine you are. I, I say it like this here. If you want to be on a doctrine of water baptism, you don't want to be here. You're not going to be comfortable. When we moved to this church, upstairs were full and downstairs. When we moved over from Elizabeth Lake Road, we drove, everybody got in their cars, that Sunday, and we, all, we packed this place, all upstairs, all downstairs. I said to the church at that day, a lot of you think because our church is called Christian Church that we baptize in water in Jesus' name to be saved. I want you to know, I don't want to deceive you. We do not do that. We are saved only by the cross. Next week, we're back to normal. Come on, get a lot of big hands. Hallelujah. I'm not going to deceive you. If you want to go somewhere and sit up in a church and they're going to deceive you, you die and go to hell, that's you. But I'm not going to deceive you. I'm going to tell you the only way to be saved, and that's what the Bible told us, and that's what I believe, that's what I teach here, because out of 44 years, thank God I have come into the knowledge of the truth. Amen? All right. So Paul says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And when, when you do that, watch this, and there'll be no division among you. You don't have no division if you speak the same thing. Division comes when somebody said one thing to be saved and somebody else said something else to be saved. See, that's what happened. That's why we, we come over to this church ever since here. We have preached grace, the grace of God, because that is what God dispensation we're in. Grace means there's no more works. No more works. All the works are finished. The Lord came and finished the work, okay? Now, I want to I give you a verse called contrary. You want to write that word down? Contrary. And I'm going to show you, uh, let me show you a simple one. Galatians chapter number 5, verse uh, 17. The word is contrary. The word contrary means to be opposite of. So anytime you have different doctrines in a church, 
you have, that's what you call country. Because you have people believing differently. All right? It brings confusion to the body. All right? Uh, we were, we, I never forget this. There was a lady who was coming to our church, uh, and she had been there for a while. And I mean, uh, I was so glad to, to have her because we, we believe God for a church that has different uh, national, national nature people. Uh, we're not concerned about, you know, what I, I, I would say this for this way. The woman was white. She was in her probably mid-60s. And she came and told me one day, she said, Pastor, I really love your teaching. He said, but there's an undercurrent here. Am I right, ma'am? She said, she told me, she said, but there is an undercurrent. Now, I'm going like, I'm a, I'm a rookie, man. I'm like an undercurrent. But an undercurrent, if you ever go in, into a river, you will see underneath there's a spinning. Eventually, it'll get to the top and suck things down. But undercurrent is what happens when you go fishing. And you want to catch what fish are really biting. You, you find where the current is under the water. And that's where you, because all the fish are going to go there pretty much uh, being sucked there, pulled there. But I, I kept like, what's undercurrent? And she told me, she said, there's too many people in here against you. Or don't agree with you. Or speaking against you and it got back to her and she left the church and I, I was like she said I'm letting you know why I'm not gonna be here you, you remember that honey yeah Galatians chapter 5 so when you're gonna when you're gonna say something about the pastor please don't tell nobody else because they might not be in opposition you may get uh, whatever you know wrong folk you know don't tell the wrong folk all right, Galatians chapter 5. I think everybody loves me now. I, I believe. I hope so. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I'll say this to you. Before I would tell you anything, I guess on. See, when I minister on stuff, on something, my wife tell you. I'm up at 3 o'clock this morning standing to work. I mean, this is what I do. All day Friday, Saturday, I'm standing to work. I'm here this morning at 5 o'clock. This is what I do. I am not going to come here and tell you what I think. Everything you minister on must be proven. You have, must have the word. So when somebody walk up to you and say to you, like I had about five young ladies used to go, was, went to our church on Little Blake Road, and I would see them at every service. And a lot of them are right here today. And I would say, I would always, how you doing, sister? How you doing, sister? They sit down in the foyer. They said, Pastor, what is our name? Now, that's why I come a little shorter. Because all were looking at me and said, what is our name? And I'm looking at all these young ladies, and they, they just love the word. And I know, I know who they are. Some, there are some of them still in this ministry. And it was like, I didn't know. And from that day on, I'm getting better. Now, I don't know everybody's name yet. But, but by fellowshipping, that's how we learn. So, so when we go on the other side and you see somebody that you don't know their name, just walk up to them and say, how you doing? My name is, tell them your name and uh, how you doing, what is your name? That's how you do. 
So I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, okay? Take time. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. So we look at, look at the word contrary. The word contrary to mean to be opposite and also to be in conflict with. Uh, so you want to make sure. Or it means to oppose that same word. But watch this here. Uh, Galatians 5, 17. It said, for the, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are, that's that word, contrary. These are contrary one to another. So you have to understand that the flesh and spirit is in opposition. Flesh will never do nothing to help the spirit. The spirit will never do nothing to help the flesh. They're always contrary. All right, they are out to stop the other. Understand? They are opposite. All right, just want to give you that one. Uh, I have several, but that's not my message. My, I'm here to get you this word today. Let look at the, the Gospel of John chapter 11. I want to show you where this phrase came from. The Gospel of John chapter 11. When they got ready to, to kill Jesus, or uh, the plot to kill Jesus, this is how they did it. They found scripture that this is what they had to do. So the Gospel of St. John, chapter 11, verse 45. Okay, when the screen come up, I'm ready. John 11, 45, there it is. It says, but men of the Jews which came to... Yeah, okay, came with Mary and had seen things which Jesus did, they believed on it. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees, remember they had just raised Lazarus from the dead, and they told them what things either had done. Then gathered the chief priests, the Pharisees, a council. And they said, what do we? Now watch what they're going to say. For this man doeth great miracles. We, we, they, they see them. Many miracles. If we, let him, if we let him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Russians, uh, not the Russians, the Romans shall come The Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. All right? And one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, the Bible said that same year, said to them, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know nothing at all. Now, read, I said, thank you, Lord, because he touched me on my back. My, I'm serious. When I keep telling you about I'm, this thing is real, the Lord is that real to me. All right. Now, verse number 50 says, now consider that it is expedient. That's why we got to kill him. It's expedient for us that one man, somebody said one man, should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. If we, what is they going by? Jonah. Remember when you're supposed to read the story of Jonah? The ship was going to toss and to and fro and everybody going to get killed in the storm. What? They came to Jonah, and Jonah told them, how can we stop the storm? Well, it's not, the storm is not because of y'all. It's because of me. It's the Lord, and I'm on, on the ship. So if you throw me overboard, then the storm will stop. So you need to read Jonah. I guarantee you, when you read Jonah, and they did what? They picked him up. And threw him overboard, and God had a great whale fish prepared to swallow up Jonah. And that whale swallowed up Jonah, and Jonah lived in that whale belly how many days? 
three days and three nights. It was a type of his death, burial, and resurrection. And after three days, the whale took Jonah to the shore and got tired and spit him up on the earth. And Jonah got up on the earth, started running, and God and went over and sat down on the gore. You haven't read Jonah? See, you got to understand everything that God is doing, it's already in the Old Testament. See, that's why, that's why this priest knew how to, how to stop what, the, what they were doing. Throw them overboard. Hang him. Crucify Now, some of you need to study a word called Roman road. How many have heard of the word Roman's road? Everybody heard of Roman's road. But anyway, Roman road is a real road in Rome. And it's about 400 miles long called Roman's road before they had highways and stuff, Old Testament. So you can Google Roman road. This road where, where they displayed the people who they crucified, called Roman road. And every time they would crucify somebody that the Romans did, people, see Rome was, you know, all these people like Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, then you came down to the Mes Mes and the Persians and then the Grecians and then the, the Romans, they were worldwide. When one dominated, they dominated everything. Rome was the last one to dominate all, everybody on the face of the earth. Okay? Now, when they did, this, if anybody came, like slaves, if anybody came into, their, into Rome, and they did not go along with what the Romans want, they killed them by crucifixion. You see? And they put them on the Roman road. So they were like display. So when they would drive down, to walk down the Romans' road, they can see people crucified for miles called the Romans' road. See, you have to understand, you got to understand things like that. That's why Jesus Christ was brought at that time because they really perfected pretty much crucifixion. It was a way of life. Anybody resisted Roman authority was crucified. So when Jesus Christ came and, and he did not agree with the system, the Roman system and the religious system, see, he brought a different system called the kingdom of God. See, and you're not going to need to have Peter, you're not going to need swords to fight in this battle. That's what he told him. So in, the Lord in, in this battle, fight this battle. So now, Peter, put up your sword. In this kingdom, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You're not going to have to fight. I'm here to, I'm here to make sure we get victory. I'm going to make sure every man is treated right. See, that's why Jesus came, is to bring in the, gospel, to bring in the kingdom. That's why he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now, that's a message that you're going to get shortly here. So you can understand why did he do that. And why after the gospel of the kingdom, why now the, the gospel of grace? The gospel of the kingdom is how he got conquered everything. So you could have grace. Oh my God. See, if you put him in order, why did God have the, the gospel of the kingdom? So he could be the king, conquer everything. After he rose from the dead, Matthew 28, 18, now God said, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So that's why now Jesus Christ is the all power. He's the one who has all power. 
all right, just like it was during the days of Nebuchadnezzar and the Medes and the Persians and the Grecians and the Romans. They had all power, but Jesus Christ's power is heaven and earth. All right, let's move on. Now, let's move on. Now, let's show you that in Matthew chapter 26, 36. Now, here it is. He has to prepare himself because his soul did not want to die. Matthew chapter, when you find Matthew chapter 26, uh, 36. So you have to understand the soul of man, the word man means soul, the soul of man. Isaiah 53, 10 and 11, God made our soul, that, that's why Christ had to be born in the flesh, so he could have a soul. Let me say it again. The reason he born called son of man, so he have a soul. Son of Adam. All right? So that's why he did that, so he can have a soul. Because his soul was going to be the offering for our sin. So here we're going to find him in the garden. He got to bring his soul unto obedience. What I mean by that is he obeyed unto death, even the death of the cross. See, he couldn't just die being obedient. He had to be willing and obedient. Just like when you give your offering. You know, I, I, I'm saying this here not to put nobody down, but I want you to know something about offering. Your service to the ministry is not your offering. Because I heard a person say, I just served the ministry. That's my offering. Your service and your offering are two different things. Amen. Amen. All right. I just want, I don't have nothing else to say. I'm just going to let you know those are two different things. I don't want you to go your whole life, never give God nothing, and then tell God, well, I served in the church. Your service is your worship. It's not your offering. We'll get to that too, because we got one on that too. All that stuff we got coming. Matthew chapter 26. We'll never pay bills on just service. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew 26, 26. I just want you to know, that as your pastor, that's, that's not the same thing. If you don't have no money, then you can serve. But don't ever say my service is my offering. It's not your offering. You just don't have no money. It's all right. I'm just saying you just don't have no money. Serve the Lord, but don't mix that up with money. It's no hell. You're not paying God by serving it. Service is called one word, worship. Okay, okay. Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. That's not where I am. 36, thank you very much. All right, verse 36. Then comes Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane. Now, Gethsemane, another word, is called the place of the skulls. It's the same place where Goliath's head was cast. After David cut his head off, they, he threw it in a place called the Skulls. It was a garden, Golgotha, the place of a skull, Gethsemane. All right, this was a garden. He said to the disciples, sit you here while I go in Gethsemane. It was a garden by the place called a skull, the place of a skull called Golgotha. All right. It's where he's going to go die later. See, just like 
the Romans rose. They left those men up there until the environment took all the flesh off of them and they were nothing but skeletons. And they would fall off. The weather, the weather would tear down. They just piles of skulls of, of bones under every cross. It was a very, this is how they, they toured when they had people who came to their country and they didn't want them to disobey their law. They told them, you need to go walk the Romans road because that's where the people who did not obey, obey the Romans went. Now, it, it was the Romans soldiers who crucified Christ. You don't hear that today because you still have the same Rome, right? right? Right, okay. Let's move on. Now, in verse number 36, then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said to the scribe, the disciple, I'm sorry, Sit here while I go pray yonder. He's talking about Peter, James, and John, only three people. All right? And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now, he's talking about his soul. His soul became sorrowful and very heavy because his soul going to have to die to get us back into grace. So you have to understand by one man obedience how you got back into grace. God. I should have got one. I should have got just one. I'm telling you how you got back into grace. How you got back into grace. Grace means no more work. Grace means all the things that you had before, they're all yours again. Everything that Adam lost, through grace, you got them all back. All right. I'm talking about you could not have eternal life if we did not have grace. No dispensation had eternal life until grace came. That's why an Old Testament believer had to be raised from the dead because they didn't have eternal life. See, you in the New Covenant, you don't have to be raised from the dead. You got eternal life. Your soul do not have to see death. Your soul will never see death and will never see the grave. That might not be good for you right now, but keep on living. That's all I tell you. You get old, you're going to call me. Amen. Because you think you're going to die and go to hell. You're going to pass. Can you pass and come over here and see me? I already know what's going on. I'm trying to tell you now. Don't be cool on me. His soul was sorrowful and very heavy. Verse 38. Then he said to them, my soul, here it is, is exceeding, full, exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Why? Because his soul is going to have to die. To be dead means to be separated from the Father. That's why on the cross he said, my father, my father, why thou hast forsaken me? Because on the cross he's going to be, his soul going to be separated from the father. That's spiritual death. But guess what? Your soul will never be separated from the father. Can somebody get a Lord of praise for that? Whatever he did for you, you will never have to do for yourself. It's already been done. The victory is yours. Then he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed the same prayer. said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but that's with will. That will, that's his soul. His soul. And he coming to the disciples again and said, what, could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing. The soul now, the soul now is willing. Said the soul is now willing. See, that's why he had to go pray because he had to make his soul willing, but the flesh was still weak. Now, when he said the flesh was weak, then that's when the angel came and strengthened him. 
See, he stayed there until the soul was willing because he could not have went to the cross unless his soul was willing and his flesh was strengthened because he had to carry a tree. And the history of the Romans said a tree had to be two to three hundred pounds that he had to carry. That's why it's called the old rugged cross that he had to carry up the hill to Golgotha. And that's why when you show movies, they show him always falling under the weight because of it's so heavy. But he had to carry the cross for me. That's why I love him so much. He carried our burdens. He carried our cross. So we can rejoice and be glad. So be grateful for what the Lord has done for you. Watch what he says. He carried the cross. He had to be willing. Let's show you why. Isaiah 118. So you have to know why he did what he did. His soul had to become willing. That's why he stayed in the, in the garden until his soul now was willing. Isaiah chapter 1. See, that's why whatever you give to God, it must be a free will. It must be willing. That's why when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, you talk about a cheerful giver. When you're a cheerful giver, that means you're willing to do this. Nobody got to beat you up. You went out and you made yourself some money. God gave you the job, gave you the business. You were saying, look, I'm going to bless him because he enables me. Everything I have belongs to him. Listen, everything you got belongs to him. How can you keep back from him? Everything is his. And you can't take nothing with you. I tell people that all the time. You die, we're going to get some of your money. If your folks go to this church, so you can hold on to it all you want, you'll die, your grandchildren going to give something to the church. It's all right, me. That's why my wife, no, my wife don't even ask me a question. My wife said I wasn't able to be here uh, the other Sunday. That's my offering from last Sunday. I'm making the one out for this Sunday. Ain't not a word for me. It's his money. How can I hold back his money? Isn't that so? You learn, keep, keep getting there. The Bible says everything belongs to him. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 and verse 19. See, you have to be willing. You got to be, our ministry now, this is what Christ fulfilled. Israel did not do this. So the only way we can get back in the grace and get everything back restored in grace, one man had to obey God. One man got us out of grace one man got us back in grace. All right, Isaiah 118. Come now, the Lord is talking to Israel. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know wool is white. In verse number nine, 19, if you be willing and obedient. See, they, you will eat the good of the land. See, he, he, look, everything in the earth is his. I even call the rain to come so it'll grow. I can hold the rain or I can give you more rain you need and wash all this stuff away. But I, I'm the one that make you, I'm the one that prospers you. 
But all I need you to do is be willing to obedient. They couldn't do it. So when Jesus came, he came and obeyed the Father, even on the death of the death of the cross. But he had to be willing and obedient. So he had to go into God so his soul could become willing. And after that, he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Now he became willing and obedient. And when he walked out of there, he told the disciples, it's enough, let's go. Because now he had become willing and obedient to go to the cross for us. That's what makes it so awesome. He hadn't done nothing. Now all he asked us to do is thank him. See, we don't have to make nothing happen in the New Covenant. Just thanksgiving. Like I told you, I hear my shot pump going up. And I thank the Lord. My wife would tell you, I don't care where I am. I said, thank you, Lord. Why am I saying that? If the sub pump don't work, my basement is wet. Don't you understand? As long as my sub pump working, my basement is dry. You don't get it. You don't get it. Everybody, you're here. Mm, you're sucking that water. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock. Thank you, Lord. Because if that sub pump ain't working, all your carpet downstairs and all your clothes and all your stuff is no more water. See, some of y'all ha don't have your own house, so it don't mean nothing. You get your own house, you walk downstairs, and you go push, push, push. Oh, my God. You already know where to go. So a pump ain't working. But every time I hear that, my wife will tell you, hallelujah. All right. Now watch this. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 10. Romans chapter 5. See, you got to understand, man, he done it all. One man. Romans chapter 1. So don't, don't easily take credit for nothing. He did it all, man. He did it all. He obeyed the Father even to the death of the cross so we can come back into grace. You want to know, does he love you? Watch this. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. See, people don't know. You want to know, does he do it? Lord, how much you love me. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's not about him loving us. It's how much we love him now. Watch this. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will, one, will die, but preventive for a good man son will die to die. But God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Listen at that. While we were yet sinners. What are you even thinking about God? Christ died for us. Much more, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. That was Israel. They were saved from wrath. But watch the next verse. For it, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. God reconciled us, restored us, gave us everything he had while we were already sinners. He didn't wait till you fix yourself up to bless you. So don't be trying to impress God. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Don't, don't be trying to impress God because he don't impress him. Only one man turns his head, and that's his son. When he saw his son and the heavens opened, one day I'm going to show you that when Jesus Christ told the disciples, you shall see the son of man. 
an angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And I said, Lord, when did we see ascending and descending upon the Son of Man? I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, when, I, I'm, I'm not clear on that one. He said, when I was water baptized. And you read it. I went, can I go do it? Let me show it to you. Let me show it to you. I'm going to show you that this is what he told Nathaniel. Go to John. That just came in my heart. I like to share stuff with you. Let's go to the Gospel of John. And we want to look at uh, when he met Nathaniel. I know it's verse 51. 50 and 51. When he, when he called Nathaniel. And Nathaniel said, how do you know me? Somebody finally let me know. That's, it's not a part of my thing. It's when he called Nathaniel. Oh, man. Thank you. The Gospel of John chapter 1. Uh, look, look at that. Yeah, that's it. Verse 49. I got it marked. I just got to follow. Watch this. This is something, man. So you want to mark in your Bible. In verse 49, John 1, 49. Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, you the son of God. Now, before that, he said, you are an Israelite indeed, in whom no God. Nathaniel said, which knoweth thou me? Jesus says, before that, Philip called you. I knew you before Philip called you when you was under the fig tree. I saw you. And then he says, Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, you the king of Israel. Watch what he's going to say to this man. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe it? You shall see greater things than these. That's what I asked God. And I said, what did he say? He said, Verily, verily, I said to him, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now how many of you know that's Jacob's ladder, if you know anything about the word? That's Genesis 28, verse 10 through 22. Read it sometime. Genesis 28, verse 10 through 22. That's when God, Jacob, slept. And that night he had a dream. And in his dream, he saw angels ascending and descending, watch this, upon the house of God. Mm. And I said, let's go look at it. Genesis 28, 10. The angel asked and decent upon the house of God. What well, I wonder who's the house of God? You, you think about it. Take a little while. Genesis 28. Do you get a chance to read this? Angels asked and decent upon the house of God. And not only that, the heavens were opened over the house of God. And I kept looking into my life and going like, oh my God. That's what be going on when I feel them touching. Here we go. It's called Jacob had a dream at Bethel, verse 10. It says, and Jacob went out of Bethsheba and went towards Haran. He lighted up on a certain place. Underline the word place. You got a message coming. A place. He tarried all night. He tarried all night. The place. What, what, what was the place? Jesus says in John 14, I go to prepare place for you. You got to know where that place at. You got a message coming. Psalm, 90, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place. You got, you got a message coming. You got to know where that place at. The Bible says 
He tarried all night because the sun was set. He took the stone of that place, put them for a pillow and lay up on it in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascended and descended up on it. Up on what? On the place. Now, if you go down and look at this, verse 17, verse 16. Skip down to verse 16 for time's sake. And Jacob awoke out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. Come on, put your hand on your chest and say, Surely the Lord is in this place. See, don't say I, don't, I know it not. You ought to know it by now. And verse 17 says, And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other than the Oh my God, that don't do something for you when you realize God is in that place. He's talking about your heart. See, you ought to know what God is. You should never have to look for God. He's right here. That's what y'all tell somebody. Don't worry about it. God's right here. Let me talk to him a minute. That's why I tell my daughter. I passed by my daughter the other day, my daughter Sandra, and she said, I don't feel good right now. I said, wait a minute. Lay my hand on right now. Uh, about a couple, two or three seconds, you know, like that's okay. How you feel? I feel better. I know you do. It's not because of me. It's because the Lord is in this place. And then he says, I'm going to build a, a, a verse number 19. He pulled, go to verse 18. Uh, verse 17, I'm sorry. Verse 17. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of I'm going to stop right there. Oh, my God. If you realize who you are and who in you make you the very house of God. Oh, my God. Come on, don't give no patty cake. Come on, stand up on your feet. It's because of one man's obedience. Say it with me. One man obeyed God. Say one man obeyed God. And I got all the blessings. Come on, say one man, one man. obeyed God, but we got all the blessings. Now give him a praise. Give him a praise for that. I just want to give you, give you something to, to share with you there because this one man obeyed. You realize one man came here and obeyed God, and now we got back into God's grace. And everything that was kept from, from us is now ours. Isn't that something? That's why I love him so much. And I realize what he's done for us. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Come to your camera, sir. And verse number one, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received and where you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins. How did he do it? He died on the cross. He was crucified. According to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. Everything he did to fulfill the scripture. That's why you must understand, through him fulfilling the scripture, through his death, burial, and resurrection, 
He obeyed the word. He fulfilled all the scriptures, whether the prophecies, psalm, law, everything he has fulfilled, everything. That's why Christ is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Covenant. So that's why we don't have to do water baptism no more, because he's the fulfillment. We don't have to do bread on the table. He is the fulfillment. That's what the New Covenant tell you. You do not have to do that stuff no more that they did in the Old Covenant. Christ is the fulfillment. Jesus told them this way, search the scripture, and then you think you have eternal life. The stuff you're doing, but they are only testifying of Give the Lord a great big hand. Hey, my time is up. I thank you for yours, and the door of faith is open unto you.